I'm Dr. Fred Silva of Arcana Laboratories, coming to you from Little Rock, Arkansas, with another installment of Throwback Thursday. This is an early history of the renal biopsy, as seen from one point of view. As usual, it's somewhat uncertain who was the first to do anything. Stigler's law suggests that a law or disease or finding is never named after the first person to find something, but usually someone later. As Stigler has said, somebody came up with that law before it was named after him. The origins of the renal biopsy suffer a bit of the same dilemma. Although a few investigators had earlier tried to utilize the needle biopsy of renal tumors in the 1930s, most quote Iverson and Brune in Copenhagen as the originators of the renal biopsy for medical diseases of the kidney. There are others who cite physicians in Sweden or Cuba as the first. Dr. Nils Allwell from Lund, Sweden, utilized the renal biopsy for clinical diagnosis of patients in 1944, but after obtaining kidney tissue by an aspiration technique from the first 13 patients, when one of them died of complications, he decided to no longer pursue the technique and did not publish his work until 1952. Iverson and Brune had been utilizing percutaneous biopsies of the liver in the 1940s, but as one story goes, when they were performing biopsies on livers for liver disease, they once inadvertently hit the nearby kidney and got renal tissue, but the patient did well with no bleeding or untoward effects. Iverson and Brune published their first series of renal biopsy in 1951. Thus, the idea of renal biopsy, an attempt to both understand what the patient had as well as hopefully detect earlier disease processes. Up until that time, the 1950s, most of the knowledge of pathology of renal disease was based almost totally on autopsy studies, thus chronic and advanced disease morphology. Dr. Conrad Pirani was quoted as saying that the development of the renal biopsy was somewhat associated with the development of the early few dialysis machines and would allow the clinician to decide which patients to triage to best utilize the limited dialysis units. Those with acute, potentially reversible renal processes were dialyzed rather than those unfortunate individuals who had end-stage renal disease and no chance of recovery and would require long-time dialysis. There were just not enough machines to go around. At first, large Vim Silverman needles were used, and this can actually be compared to the key parrots in New Zealand who go and fly to the back of sheep for either bugs or adipose tissue and inadvertently lance the kidney tissue and the sheep would bleed to death. Key parrots almost became extinct for this reason. The owners of the sheep didn't appreciate that. Eventually, smaller and more automated, easier-to-use needles were used in humans. Better microscopes, microtomes, and stains help the renal pathologist identify the components of the kidney and the morphologic changes. Dr. Parani, initially involved with nutrition and rheumatoid diseases, was told by his chairman, take these little bits of kidney tissue and see if you can do anything with them. Dr. Parani sensed that the chairman was quite skeptical that such small specimens could provide adequate 
or reliable information. He doubted whether the renal biopsy of this type would have much of a future. It did, and one of the fathers of renal pathology in the United States was on his way. The early stains were often an extrapolation from the German and other countries' dye making for clothes. In addition to standard H&E, the stories of PAS, Masson, Jones silver methenamine, and Congo red stains all have backstories of interest. The PAS reaction was developed simultaneously, independent by two investigators, one in the U.S. and one in Great Britain during the war. Because of the war, the British pathologist walked his paper on PAS across the street in Great Britain, where the journal emanated from, while the American manuscript was delayed during the war crossing the Atlantic. The father and son, Dr. Massons of Harvard, have a great number of stains named after them. David Jones of upstate New York developed the silver stain, which enhanced our understanding of membranous glomerulonephropathy greatly. Congo red stain was not developed in the Belgian Congo, but instead was given that name in order to make the stain seem special and increase sales. The history and details of immunofluorescence and electron microscopy are covered elsewhere in this series.